you wouldn't believe what you can do with the smart car. <laughs> you let them go? Why did you let them go? Not my problem. My break was uh, <laughs> ten past four. If you wanted them keeping for longer, you should have staffed this properly, didn't you? I like I like the uh, the the fact that this whole secret getaway plan is built around the idea that if you give a taxi driver an unbelievable wedge of cash at three in the morning, he will stick around instead of clocking off for the next month. Hello and welcome to episode two of Shark Live Royals read through of Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. I am of course Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. Hello. You changed me rhythm. That was weird. Yeah, you were like, yeah. I am of course, Matt. I was like, am I Am I possibly Dave? Can Gotta I go to of course, of course? Got to keep them guessing like Dan Brown does in the Da Vinci Code. So, <laughs> what a pro, Matt. What a pro. <laughs> well, get ready for the next segue. In, in sort of speaking of keeping you listening and keeping you guessing, um, we did say we were going to read to, I think, chapter 53 uh, this week. We are, in fact, changed our minds and are going to read to the end of chapter 42. Um, now, this is in no way a reflection of the quality of the book. There was just a slight <laughs> misunderstanding as when we were going to record this. <laughs> I think I, kudos, mm. kudos for owning that one there, Matt. I, you could have been forgiven for going for a bit of the old alternative facts there. We have always <laughs> said we were going to do 42. We've always, yeah. always said it. Yeah, it was just the mainstream media that said we were going to read to 53. <laughs> Very sad. Very sad. Sad. Um, <laughs> okay. And that, that's as political as we're going to get. Let's get on to The Da Vinci Code Part 2. As you remember, if you remember the first part, we weren't massively enamoured with Part 1, but this it could get better. Let's, let's see what happens. I believe so, um, that. I believe. <laughs> I believe. As ever, if you want to get in touch with us, um, uh, sharkliverallpodcast at gmail.com. That's sharkliverallpodcast at gmail.com. Um, do send uh, your reviews into the that email address as well, and we'll, we'll read them out at the end of the run, which will be in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but yeah, let's get it. Let's get into this then. So, chapter twenty-three is where we're up to, and uh, we're at the. Uh, where are we? I'm gonna. How have I written there? <laughs> well, oh, we're yeah. somewhere, Matt. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're skulking around the Louvre still, and uh, there are sort of we've got Sophie thinking about a few regrets. Um, about her relationship with her granddad and his appalling secret, which we are still yet to discover, but <laughs> may involve but a tie in orange. I was kidding. <laughs> it's, we are, at this point, 60% sure it doesn't involve autofellatio. That's where we are. That's, that's all we can yeah. say at this point. Yeah. Um, they, they go and have a look at the Mona Lisa, because they think this could be the next, this could be the next clue. Uh, but she, she, she needs that pen. Um, she's another one that reveals the magic ink. Um, so she goes back to the uh, the old um, the old body, gets it. That that old thing, the, the old body. There, go on. Yeah. Um, Sorry. And they find she finds this necklace, basically uh, with with PS on it, um, and this was basically promised to her by her granddad at some point in the past, and it turns out, yeah, she's found it. And it's the fleur de lis, um, this, yeah. this cross, this pendant. Which is, is it the same? Is that the same as on that? What's it? Flash the bash ad on? Uh, no, 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 no. So that was a, a, a what was it? A crujamata, crux gemata, oh, yeah. yeah. whatever. Good, good point. This yeah. is the fleur de lis. Is the thing you get on the the Quebecois flag, and it was the old sort of symbol of the um, uh, the royal family of France. 
Right, okay. So that was that's yeah, that's okay. your one. Also to be seen on the fa- on the uh, on the badge of the New Orleans Saints. There you go. Facts, knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so uh, Robert Langdon puts pieces this together and says this must mean that your grandfather was a member of this group called the, it's, it's another it's another shady group called the Pri- in this book called the Priory of Sion. <laughs> Um, I don't know, don't know if these guys exist in real life. If they do, you know, yeah. as we said about Opus Day, this is entirely the book. We're not saying this is in real life. Or anything like <laughs> we are covering our asses because we, we have no lawyers to do it for us. Um, <laughs> we can't afford lawyers. I actually went looking this up. They don't exist. In fact, not oh. only do they not exist, they are a hoax that was invented by a couple of, essentially, French hippies in the 60s after they did too much acid. And they were like, <laughs> seriously, they were tripping balls and decided to make up a secret society with its origins in 1099. And they did this, all of this mental shit. You should go and read it. They went and broke in to um, the National Library of France, the National Archive mm. of France, I think it's... Um, and hid all these documents and shit. But as with so many other historical forgeries, they kind of didn't want to put the hours into actually writing it. So they just like <laughs> cut it all out of other secret, apparently esoteric treatises and put it together in this single thing. And then joined it up with their handwriting, basically. It was like the most <laughs> ham-fisted attempt at historical forgery fucking Amazing. ever. And yeah, and it was. But fair enough, you know, they were on a bender. They just decided to have a good time. They were like, you know, a lot of people steal traffic cones. You know, a mm. lot of people wake up next to people they don't recognise. A lot of, of people find themselves in other countries that maybe they didn't plan to go to. And For some on. people, that precisely. And some people invent secret societies with links to shady and dodgy <laughs> dealing throughout the history of all of Western civilization. So, Amazing. you know, same, same. Yeah. Or is that the cover story? Alternative <laughs> facts. You, You're you blowing decide. my mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, there's an introduction to the, the Priory of Sion. So we'll, we'll hear more about those boys later on. Uh, chapter 24, we're back with Silas. Um, he's searching for the keystone, and uh, the nun is watching from the shadows, and she knows that the fact that he's searching for this means that something's been compromised in the Brotherhood. So she gets on the blower. Chapter she 25. Does. No secure also, telephones here, though. No, 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 no secure no. telephones here. She just gets on there. We've got this elaborate system for preventing somebody from finding out what's going on. And, and, and it seems like it's been breached here. So I tell you what I'd better do is I'd better get on this unsecured copper wire telephone in an ancient building <laughs> in an old city and just talk as though nobody's listening because that's how it works. Once Wonder again, I- isn't it weird, <laughs> touchingly naive compared to what we now know about how surveillance works? All of this yeah. bollocks with statues and, and panels and secret floor cavities and shit, but absolutely no secured phones. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of phones, chapter 25, um, Fash the Bash calls the embassy. <laughs> I um, love that. That's his name now. That's glorious. Fash the Bash. Fash the Bash. <laughs> if you... For anyone who isn't familiar with sort of late 80s, early 90s football in England, um, Fash the Bash was this uh, centre, like, really popular centre-forward who played for Wimbledon, was it? It was um, Wimbledon. And, and he got this reputation for being a bit sort of rough and ready and a bit, bit free with his elbows when he played uh, when he played up for him. And that's why he was called Fash the Bash. He was called John Fashionu. Um 
Brilliant. And, uh, yeah. I, so that's why we're I, calling this guy Flash the Flash. It's such a such a niche call out, isn't it? But I will say this: <laughs> yeah. if you weren't paying attention to English football in the early to mid nineties, I don't know what you were doing with your time, but you were yeah. missing out. Come on, come you on, were missing out. I suppose there's a chance you weren't born yet, but anyway. Well, um, <laughs> if, if you know your history, Matt. Then, sorry, it's, sorry, it's documented. Yeah, it's like the Priory of Sion. It's documented. It is, it is <laughs> the glory of early '90s English football is well established, largely as a result of a, a large number of people getting pissed and trying to make up something that matters. <laughs> so yeah, so so Fash the Bash calls the embassy. Um, it, he says, oh, I've forgotten my three-digit code. And they basically say, what three-digit code? <laughs> and he's like, Sophie! <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Robot house! <laughs> so he checks, uh, he checks the phone, realises that the, uh, the call didn't go through to the embassy. It went through to Sophie's answering machine. So he's not happy about that. Um, is it, what, once t- again, it's a glorious piece of, uh, of espionage, this, isn't it? Where she's like, I'm going to record this on my personal answering machine, which announces itself as my personal answering machine whenever anybody calls it. And yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to dial it on the phone of the guy who I'm trying to keep all of this from. Yeah, it's it's like it buys us one second. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll go through a couple of other aspects of Sophie's uh, great plan to, to to get Robert Langdon underground later on. But uh, yeah, that's not ideal, is so, it? Sophie um, Sophie Nouveau's questionable spycraft is what we're calling this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, chapter twenty six. They're at the Mona Lisa, which they say is surprisingly small, which is true. Uh, I've seen it myself, and it is smaller than you would expect. Oh, is um, it really? Yeah. In fact, um, what's the other one? There's one opposite it, which is another Da Vinci. I think it's the wedding at Cana. And, okay. and that, that is amazing. It's massive and it's so intricately deep. And I much preferred that. And if you do yeah. end up at the Louvre, take a bit. Because obviously there's a massive crater in the Mona Lisa. And then there's about yeah. six people having a peep at this one. And I just thought, this is way better. <laughs> what are y'all doing? It's just some That's woman amazing. Yeah. With a smile. Yeah. Oh I mean, it's well, good. well, don't get me wrong. But, it's good, but it's a small, it's a small pet portrait of uh, of a woman smiling. Um, yeah, I, I, it's good. Yeah, come on. Anyway, <laughs> reviews of art with Matt. <laughs> we had Caravaggio that's... last week. Yeah, this is brilliant. I love that your review of the Mona Lisa is it's fine. I mean, you know, God, you know, she's she's a trier. The Mona Lisa, she's a trier. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he's 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 on firm ground with the Mona Lisa being surprisingly small. Less convinced with this one, uh, the Mona Lisa is uh, androgynous because um, it's an anagram. I hate anagrams, but anyway, it's an anagram. <laughs> Mona- this is great. I had no idea that this book was going to piss you off in these particular ways. <laughs> so Mona Lisa, okay, so Mona, I'll, I'll, I'll give him this one. Mona is an anagram of Amon, or Amon, which is obviously mm. a, a, go- a, a, a god. And mm. then uh, Lisa... I mean, clearly that's an anagram of Isis. I mean, you got two of the letters there, but you've not got the L and the A, and there are only four letters in the whole name. But we'll can give I, you can, it, I suppose. No, 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 no. Can I suggest then that it might be more plausible to describe this as a po- uh, a painting which hides in plain sight the esoteric truth of the the close relationship between the Egyptian god Amon and the river Mississippi, because it's got yeah. as many letters in common. <laughs> <laughs> what was he trying to say? What was he trying uh, yeah. to say? He was trying to say there were goat-headed gods on the Mississippi and that if you deny this, then you are a stooge, Matt. A stooge? <laughs> a stooge like- of the religious <laughs> order. 
It's one of those things that is presented with such confidence that you read it once and you think, oh yeah, yeah. And then you just think, hang on a minute. And you read it again and you're like, hang on. That yeah. Lisa, L-I-S-A, Isis, I-S-I-S. <laughs> it's not the same. Uh, It's not in any sense the same. But but that begs a question, does it not, about what sort of dirt Dan Brown had on his copy editor at his publisher, right? Because (laughs) copywriter is going to read this, copy editor is going to read this and go, Dan, it's just not, that's not the same. It's 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 a fifty percent match in a four letter word. It's it's quite difficult for it to become any less of a match than what you're describing here without being simply made up. And what does he yeah. what does he do? Do you just sort of like crack open the envelope he keeps at his side at all times of uh of this copy editor pulling what we'll call a Jacques Saunier? Mm. Like, don't forget yeah. these could be published. These could <laughs> these could have a tumbler dedicated to them, all right. You don't want to be a meme. Okay, let's yeah. put it away, and you're just going to let this go past you, eh? Yeah, yeah. What else could it be? I, I, I reckon, I reckon it was um, Da Vinci was saying that the she, she's a secret limbo dancer. And it's the Mona Limbo. <laughs> the Mona Limbo. <laughs> I mean, because because there is one could see, you know, that is about as much as you can possibly smile while you're limboing, right? Like, she's she's doing fairly well there, I would have said. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the point of this chapter is there, there are actually six words scrawled across her face in Invisible Ink. Um, we, we don't find out what they are yet, but we will do shortly. Um, <laughs> is there another chapter? Is there a chapter break, Matt, by any chance? Yeah, yeah, there is. So, so, <laughs> so chapter 27, um, the inspectors are rushing back to the museum. Um, and in the meantime, they, because they've been they phone back and <laughs> it's brilliant. It's almost like you can almost hear the comedy soundtrack beneath the inspectors yeah! the rushing around. They're running back and they ring, they ring the, um, they ring the museum and say, "Send in the one guard we've left back <laughs> to go and get him." <laughs> now, the one thing we know in this situation, chaps, is that this corridor is mysterious and somehow inexplicably inaccessible. And that we've had trouble securing it in the past. The best thing to do is to put our one security asset <laughs> on the move where he can definitely lose things. Go <laughs> ahead, Jean-Claude. Go ahead. Uh, chapter 28. Um, so then we find out what the, uh, what the words were. The words were, so dark, the con of man. And, uh, and this is, ooh, what we're thinking, ooh. What does that mean? Um, yeah. Robert Langdon links this to uh, a long speech here at the church demonising women. Um, and he it's, it's quite quite long as well, isn't it? Like it's, it does, it's, it does I was, go on a bit. I, well, yeah. I was really struck by this. Again, like, you know, I realised, you know, perhaps you think I would say this, but like, but... I am really interested in this possibility. I think this is like if there is evidence for such a such a, a hypothesis, I want to read about it. But it's just hilarious dropping it into the middle of a narrative like this and acting as though mm. it's still a part of the story that you're trying to tell. <laughs> Robert Langdon, whilst running down a corridor, took a moment in infinite fun space or whatever weird bullet time his brain can go into where he can recite <laughs> entire lectures without getting shot at in the real world. And proceeded to give himself a primer on uh, on you know the sacred feminine and its presentation in art and its suppression by religious authorities like did mm. he seems like a, a highly singular decision to make at this point in the narrative but no you carry on bob you know nice one great let's i'm i'm, I'm all ears i'm here to learn <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, well, maybe this is part of the problem because they're, they're, they're in the they're in the museum and they're, they're on the run, as you say. And yeah. then the, the guard appears uh, down the hall. Sophie basically cheeses it. She does one. She's out of there. <laughs> and, and Robert's too busy thinking about this lecture that he doesn't move. And then he gets caught by the guard. <laughs> And Isn't Sophie's like, oh, for goodness sake. Oh, God, I should never have gone with somebody who's got such a rich inner monologue. And he loves to... <laughs> he loves. He, that's, that's it, though, isn't it? He's got an inner monologue in the same sense as supervillains have an inner monologue. And he, he, he is going to stop and the action is going to cease while he, either out loud or internally, considers all the ways in which things need to be explained and all the ways in which he is correct, fundamentally. <laughs> It's, it's interesting is Robert Langdon is the only the only protagonist I can think of in a thriller who monologues. You know, protagonists yeah. don't usually monologue. Usually that is for bad guys. Well, Mr. Bond, now I have you. Allow me to explain in depth what the plot has been about. Yeah. Right? Whereas this is the... Can you think of any other piece of fiction where the hero does this? Yeah, I mean, there are there are times when you do get the POV characters just go off into long thoughts about things, but it's normally when they're just wandering around, not doing much in um, the middle of an action that, scene. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's part of what what this what makes this work, though. The fact that he has it's always action, you know. So it feel always, and because you've got your short chapters, it always feels like things are moving forward. So you can sort of almost sneak in these lectures by stealth. So you're reading a lecture, but also <laughs> still thinking there's stuff going on, you know. Yeah, all right. No, that's fair. Actually, that is a decent argument. Like, I'm minded to say they're not super stealthy. When, like, you can almost <laughs> tell from the chapter length whether or not there's going to be one of these excursions into uh, <laughs> into exercises in uh, in confirmation bias, which I think is what we have to call them. Like the way he mm. describes symbology is the fact that everything is connected, and. Yeah. That's not true. Like, this is, this is a demonstrable kind of psychological kind of um, uh, uh, syndrome or phenomenon that we all have where yeah. human beings match patterns. Human beings look at things and, and, and extract meaning from actually from, uh, from random data, right? Which is why everybody yeah. keeps playing the lottery because they look at last week's numbers and they go, ah, you see, so it was 18 followed by 12, so that's minus six. And then three numbers along, there's another number which is somehow related to the number six. There's a system, there's, there's a pattern, I'm going to find it. And of course they never do. These people are not wealthy because they buy lottery tickets and do not win lotteries, right? <laughs> and, and that's kind of actually, I realized as I was reading these things, I was like, oh, that's what symbolic is it's the, he's, he's the Harvard endowed professor of confirmation bias is what he is basically oh my God. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly like he said he's trying to make an entire academic discipline out of a guy going my god he's right yeah. like, brilliant <laughs> well, but 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 all of that all of that so that frustrates me but I will say you are absolutely correct that this makes for a spanking good narrative and I'm not giving mm. it enough of a chance because it moves <laughs> a beautiful lick. And, yeah. a, and this is where, at this point, we've been in the Louvre for a quarter of the book and I'm like, come on, lads, let's pull it together, shall we? Let's, let's get a move on. But this is <laughs> the point, and I really felt from this point where I start to kind of run downhill. I started to feel a sense of, of great um, momentum in the plot and, and it was yeah. great. Cool, well, chapter 29, Silas is getting naked. Um, he he needs to muffle this candlestick because he's going to break open this uh, uh, this stone, and he so he takes his robe off because he's, he's, he's obviously a one item of clothing man, and 
and wraps it around the candlestick to open up the thing. And he gets, he sees that he finds a message, a note underneath, and it's just a reference to a passage in the Bible, uh, yeah. Job thirty-eight eleven. Um, the nun still having a cheeky look, and uh, sees him getting naked, sees his bloody back because obviously he's been whipping himself, so he's, yeah. he, he looks horrendous. She realizes yeah. it's um, this, you know, this secret society, and then thinks, "I've got to, I've got to warn the others again," um, and then. Sort of Silas checks out the the Bible uh, passage, and it's the greatest sort of two fingers up of all time. Hitherto shall come, but no further. And he's oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's brilliant. It's basically finding a biblical way of going jog on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I liked that. I thought that was nicely done. Yeah, it's glorious. You couldn't have got more insulting if you'd have, instead of putting the Bible reference, just got another slab of stone inside and carefully, painstakingly, like a <laughs> woodcutter, carved out a picture of two fingers stuck in the air. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll just inside the box, it's just a turd. Just a turd in the box. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, brilliant. Silas, did you follow the clues? Yes, yes, Master, I followed the clues. And what did you find in this grand, secret edifice of magnificence and uncertainty and esotericism? And, and, and what did you find? Tell me, what did you, did you find the truth? Did you find the truth? No, no, Master, I did not find the truth. Oh, what did you find? I... I'll level with you, Master. You're a senior clergyman, and I'm uncomfortable telling you precisely what I found. <laughs> Suffice it to say, Master, we're we're in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So yeah. So Silas isn't happy. Um, in the meantime, uh, Sophie decides she's going to just brazen this out. So she walks up to the guard who's got um, he's got Robert Langdon basically held at gunpoint, and. Uh, and then she just starts sort of wandering around. Oh, this is where she finds the key. Um, yes. So, so yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier yeah. on, she was just remembering this um, this necklace. Now she finds the necklace hidden behind a, a painting. So um, actually, yeah. actually, one of the paintings nearby. Um, is it Caravaggio, Matt? Is it? Is this another no, one of your no. art historian uh, cliffhangers? I'm afraid not. And the um, and then she so she she gets this necklace, and then she's obviously got to get Robert away from this guard, and. The way she does that is she basically grabs a painting and threatens to deface it or break it <laughs> uh, or punch through the canvas. And the guard's just like, oh, in that case, off you go. Uh, I, can't, I can't risk damaging this painting. Which I think's weird because if you remember way back when at the start, the Louvre security system was you basically, the, as soon as you start damaging a painting, the bars come down and trap you inside with loads of other priceless paintings. And then yeah. all the guards stand around and leave you to it for a bit, allowing you to do however much damage you like to all this priceless artwork. Yes. But as soon as Sophie so much as picks one up, the guy's like, I cannot, I cannot deal with this. You must leave. <laughs> no, so, and this is what it really is, isn't it? Like, they might act as though it's a principled statement of leaving things something, something, something. What it really is, is they really can't be asked to get off get off their backsides and, yeah. and and actually when it happens in front of them they're like oh shit uh, no 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 carry on as you were as you were <laughs> if, if, you, if you're going to do this stereotypical sort of French guy not doing his job properly you may as well just go the whole hog and just have him sort of look at his watch and say oh well actually it's lunch now so you guys do what you want I'm back on in 10 minutes but I'm taking this break. brilliant yeah absolutely absolutely we're um, we're back in um in 
Dan Brown's carnival of uh, North American <laughs> stereotypes of European people groups, aren't we? Andorra is apparently a shithole, and French people are so they're so in love with the aesthetic that they will not shoot, they will not fulfil their jobs because there is a painting. <laughs> like, see, yeah. see next. Robert Langdon and Sophie Nouveau find themselves on a beach and are shocked to discover that an ancient secret of the priory of something, something, something is uh, is hidden amongst a load of nudist bathers and they just don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I quite, I, I think they should have just gone with, with the, with the it's, my, it's break time, so I'm not bothering idea. And then when Flash <laughs> the Bash gets back, he's like, you let them go? Why did you let them go? Not my problem. My break was uh, <laughs> ten past four. If you wanted them keeping for longer, you should have staffed this properly, shouldn't you? <laughs> anyway, That's ch- brilliant. That's a very English way of voicing what we would usually think of as a French stereotype. And I think that is a very good way of pointing out that it would have happened exactly the same in the National Portrait Gallery oh, yeah. in London, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so chapter 31. Um, now the nun is slow. I mean, she's piecing this together slowly. They could have got someone a bit quicker on the draw yeah, to keep so, an eye on things here. Her, but, well, you t- I tell you what, it is Matt is that she's only got women's intuition to use, oh, isn't that's it? True. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you remember that last time? Women's intuition. Yeah, yeah Dan. Yeah. yeah, that's what makes women insightful. That and that alone, sacred so, feminine, my so, art. <laughs> so she's um, she's realised that they, these people who are looking after the secret are all dead. Um, she's trying to ring somebody to let them know. And then Silas comes into the room and murders her. This is Fuck this is just some bit of horror. <laughs> Fuck no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is though, isn't it? That's what it's yeah. for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, and it was so. Yeah, I mean, so he, you know, Silas is very clearly the bad guy, um, mm. and he's very clearly, you know, he's already been introduced as the guy who who shoots, you know, helpless auto fellatio enthusiasts in. <laughs> <laughs> in in priceless art galleries, um, yeah. but uh, you know now 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 he's gone beyond the pale. He shot a nun, yeah. bastard. Yeah, shot a nun in a church. I mean, come in on. a church. Yeah. Um, chapter thirty two. They're, they're on the they, they get out of the museum. Uh, Robert and Sophie. They run to Sophie's car, which Robert cannot believe is it's a smart car, and I can't believe this either because th- these things certainly at the time of this writing, these things at a top speed of fifty miles an hour. So, <laughs> what a car then, to escape in! Yeah, the, the whole thing was with the smart car was that you could park it nose onto the curb and get away with it, which means they are as long as an ordinary car is wide, and yeah. that they came from like they were like dispensing towers, weren't they? Like you. You'd go and you'd, you'd like put money in and you'd get a smart car for the day in much the same way as you would get a can of coke to drink on your way out of the airport um yeah. i love this i just completely love this because once again once again dan brown's carnival of north american european stereotypes oh well they all drive those stupid little cars don't they what's the stupidest littlest most non-american car i can have them try and do a, a car chase in Smart car, mm. that'll do. I bet the I bet the Europeans haven't even got anything good enough to catch a smart car. Wankers. There we go. You can just see him scribbling away, can't you? <laughs> um, so they, 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 they're driving off. He's sort of... He's terrified about how fast Sophie's going. Um, and this is another one of those ones. That is, this is where I thought the thing that you thought earlier on you know, in the museum that he's scared out of his wits. And at the same time, he stops to have this like three or four, like, couple of page... 
um, <laughs> in a lecture about the Madonna of the Rocks and how there are two versions of it knocking him out. <laughs> just, to, just to calm himself down, I assume. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So, yeah. Other people do breathing exercises. Some people meditate. Robert Langdon lectures people on the fundamentally embedded nature of patriarchy, even in our art history. I just, yeah. I sort of love that. Because, and this is actually a place where it rings sort of true to me. I, I know people who would kind of do this about their specialist subject if they need to chill out. They'd be like, just calm down, just calm down, calm down and think about your specialist subject. You know, it's like it's like mastermind as a meditating device kind of thing. And I just thought it was glorious. Absolutely loved mm. it. Yeah. Um, we also find out this necklace is in fact an uncopyable key. So it's actually a, a key to something. It's quite interesting. And then we get yeah. the story, we get Sophie's thoughts on the story of her stolen afternoon with her granddad where something went very wrong. <laughs> um, she basically followed him to his um, his retreat in this chateau in Normandy. Because um, all French people have chateaus to retreat yeah. to. So there, was a, there were a lot of cars parked outside. She walks in, there doesn't seem to be anyone in the house. Here's chanting coming from the basement. Goes down to take a pee. And, and goes and checks it out is the thing, isn't it? She's like, oh, that's weird. He wasn't there. And now all the lights are off and there's chanting coming from... The- I'm sure this is going to be fine. Sure, it's going to be fine. Grandpa, so she- do you want to have a, a quick whiskey before bed, yeah? <laughs> so she goes downstairs. There are 30 figures all standing around something in the middle. We don't know what it is. And I, I'm not even going to hazard a guess. Um, uh, it's the, Matt, it's the, the ancient and secret rite of the orange peel, the stockings, and the belt. <laughs> it's, it's sufficiently disturbing to make her leave and never come back. Um, but she doesn't, she doesn't say what it is. Um, that's another one of those ones. We'll find out later, I'm sure. And then... Chalk, the the police have started sealing off roads, so the net is closing in. Um, chapter 33, and uh, we decide, we're trying to, they're trying to work out what to do with this Priory of Scion key. And, um, can, I, can, I, can I just note here, sorry, this is an area where I just wanted to note exactly how good a thriller writer Dan Brown is in the use of language to make something completely unexciting seem terribly exciting, right? Okay. The opening line of this chapter is, Sophie's smart car tour through the diplomatic quarter like it demands to be read in that sort of jeremy clarkson voice of like you wouldn't believe what you can do with the smart car <laughs> yeah tour through the diplomatic quarter with it with a speed pushing 48 miles an hour <laughs> pausing only to look down at her phone in order to send a text because fuck it she was moving slowly enough that she could hit a cow and bounce off it sophie <laughs> Continued the quest. Yeah, we have, we have another bit of sort of random character development where um, Robert's got a Mickey Mouse watch to remind him to stay young. Um, and then anyway, that, that feels like something that has happened in real life, and he's done. Just Dan Brown's just sort of stuck it in the book. Yeah, um, yeah. Then they pull up and they think, right, we've got to lose, we've got to lose the uh, the police. And what Sophie does is gives the ta- taxi driver a big wedge of cash, and then. And then she gets, texts Roberts the train station instead. What's going on here? We'll find out in a bit. 
We will. Although I, yeah. I, I like that she's like she she is the all purpose secondary character in a in a thriller like this, where of course she's got a massive wadge of euros that she can pay a taxi driver off with. Yeah. <laughs> and of yeah. course, in France, the trains run on time so efficiently that they're an effective and plausible means of escape from the police. Because all you need to do is turn up thirty seconds before the doors close, run through, and they will definitely take off exactly when you get there. And the police yeah. will be powerless to stop them because of European efficiency. <laughs> that, We're back on. Sorry. So, yeah. Uh, no, carry chap- on. Anything else for that one? No, no. no. Oh, sorry. No. Uh, so, chapter 34, we're back with uh, good old Ringa Rosa. Um, he's in Rome. He's, uh, he's gone to Leonardo da Vinci Airport in Rome. Gets picked up. He's on the way to see the Pope. And um, he's, he's not happy with this Pope because he's a liberal Pope. And uh, um, Ringa Rosa is... Popes. Yeah. <laughs> Ringa Rosa has, has had a hand in lobbying against... Um, sort of moving the church to a more liberal stance on some matters. Hey, some things never change, Dave, eh? Um, so, yeah, the more yeah. things change, Matt, the more <laughs> things begin to resemble a Dan Brown novel. That's how you know history's hitting the skids. <laughs> um, the, he's, he remembers the last time he was here where he was taken to the summer residence. I think he's going there again this time. Um, he doesn't like the summer residence because it's at Castle Gadolfo, um, yeah. which is near the this really... It's really expensive and really advanced observatory, and he doesn't like the idea of science and the church mixing. He thinks the bo- well. both are incompatible, which is one of those things that you do hear quite a lot, and I never really understand why. Um, yeah, why there's this this idea that if you believe if you have if you, if you don't prove everything, you don't prove anything. Yeah, um, but anyway. Yeah, no, I know I agree with that, and I think that's. Um, I think th- this is one of the areas where it feels a little bit straw man. This. It was like mm. he was religious and a bad guy, which means he hated science. You know, <laughs> it's, it's the, you know the great myth of Galileo being persecuted. He's bollocks. You know, like the idea that the church wasn't the main way that people learned how to do science for sort of fifteen hundred years or whatever. It's just is completely nuts. But um, however, however, what he's done here is tack iffy history onto an absolutely world-beating name for a bad character, right? He's named him after mm. a he's named him after a nursery rhyme and I am on board with that. So let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I think full full disclosure to be fair with this as well. That it's it's incontrovertible that there was suppression of of science by the church. Oh yeah, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. Sorry, but, yes, but, I don't, but, I don't yes, mean to so, say some that. Of the, yes. Yeah, so, some there, of the, uh... there was, but it was generally more about it was about power rather than about knowledge. Right and like you can't really get to what the Enlightenment was without building on the work of theologians and scientists who were yeah. very avowedly members of the church. And so it's just I like it's the it's not so much that yeah you're right thank you for that. I'm not saying there was no persecution. I'm just saying as a matter of as as something to build a story off of it's fucking shaky. You know, what yeah, I mean? that, that 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 complete separation of science and, and church is, is yeah, exactly, exactly. is, is unfair. Yeah, anyway, carry on. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, he remembers this meeting. Um, six. This meeting. His last time he was there. Uh, it turns out it was five months ago. I think we find out a bit later on. And uh, at the end of that meeting, he came out of it all upset, thinking, "Oh, six months from now, something really bad's going to happen." Um, but we don't know what. Um, uh, chapter thirty-five. Uh, we're at the train station. Okay, I've got a question for you here. So this is a, this is quite an interesting idea. It's a good plan. Basically, what Sophie does is she buys a ticket with the credit card to Lille, 
and then doesn't board it. So the train sets off. It's effectively the same thing with the tracking device, but using ba- the bank now. So she's yeah. she's sort of misdirecting the misdirecting the um, the police, and then they run off and get a ta- the taxi that she's paid for with this big wedge of cash and uh. go somewhere else. I, I, but why 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 here? Okay. If you're yeah. going to do that, if you're going to use your credit card to buy a ticket somewhere, why not also use your card to take a massive wedge of money out as well from the cash point? Because it's, it's obvious that you're there anyway. So yeah. you may as well get some more cash. In. I was just thinking, oh, and then she's going to get some cash out, surely. And But they don't bother. So <laughs> I, maybe, I maybe, maybe she's just got a, maybe she's got a bottomless <laughs> sort of bag of cash anyway. She's like, we don't need to worry about the cash. Let's no worries. Paper, paper, make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, this, once again, there's, a, there's an entry for Sophie Naveau's honourable school of spycraft here, isn't there? Of, why, why would I get money out of a machine? Um, I, I like, I like the, uh, the, the fact that this whole secret getaway plan is built around the idea that if you give a taxi driver an unbelievable wedge of cash at three in the morning, he will stick around instead of clocking off for the next month. Because, <laughs> I mean, honestly, right? Like, you, if nobody wants to work at that hour of the night. Nobody enjoys that shit. And somebody's just come up and said, look, I'm going to give you this large amount of money. Can't explain why. Uh, but stick around, yeah. See you later. Yeah. He's like, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's happening. Yeah, that that is a really good point. He should have walked away from the uh, from the gambling table now. He should have cashed out now. Yeah. <laughs> what happens later on, some poor guy? <laughs> He's like, maybe I'll get even more cash, and that is the moral of the story. I think, and no one to walk away. <laughs> so, um, there so, yeah. it is. Unexpected links between the Da Vinci Code and sensible gambling. <laughs> so they, um, they fi- where they're going to go though? They're not going to go to Lille, obviously. <laughs> so where they're going to go? They, they find them. They, luckily enough, they find an address on this key: twenty-four Rue Haxo, Rue, of course, being road. So um, hey. it's, oh, uh, it's you get you get more facts to the bounce here on. Uh... You better believe it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what Haxo means, but anyway, so they um they decide to go to this address. Great new place to go. Chapter thirty six. We're back with Fashion Bash, and um, he's now deciding. You know what? This is getting a bit out of hand. We've lo- he's, he can't believe that the the single guard has lost these two fugitives over a painting, and not not even a one of the most famous ones in the Louvre. So. He decides to put a call on wires, basically make it known to the other authorities, the rest of the authorities, and the the media that these people are on the run, and if you see them, dob them in. Uh, chapter thirty-seven, back with the uh, Priory of Sion. Um, we basically get a lecture on the Priory of Sion from Robert Langdon here. Um, a millennium of shaky history, as uh, as we've already discussed. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sorry. Well, I think I think if I'm coining names left and right, I really need to coin Dave's Dave's bunker of unavoidable historical nuggets. I just can't <laughs> resist it, Matt. I really can't. When I see things like this, I'm like, that these bollocks. It's bollocks. Dave's yeah. bunker of bollocks history. I apologise. I'll, I'll resist. I'll resist. Yeah, so um, we go through, he basically links the Priory of Sion to the, the Knights Templar who came out of the end of the First Crusade, actually, which I have some familiarity with from my dissertation. Yeah. But yeah. Um, So founded in 1099, they say, by Godfrey of Bouillon, who was um, one of the key members of the First Crusade. Uh, the Knights Templar, I mean, he kind of mixes his, his facts with 
fiction here, doesn't he? Because, they, yeah, they did exist, the Knights Templar. They were there to protect pilgrims um, on the way to Jerusalem. Um, I'm not sure there's much evidence to suggest they had an Indiana Jones arm that was looking for some documents, but <laughs> possible, I suppose. Um, I would love that. If somebody just unearthed near, near like Crack de Chevalier in, in Syria or whatever, just somebody turned over a piece of ground and found an ancient carving, like in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, yeah. or um, uh, the, the Last Crusade, you turn over one of those like carved massive carved stone pieces and on it there's just a, a picture in in relief in profile of a guy like carved in with an indiana jones hat and a wig <laughs> and full chain mail <laughs> yeah yeah um i mean so i mean there's, there's this stuff you know that they, they did they did become immensely rich um but to be honest i think that was more of a, a case of it was just protecting pilgrims on their way to the Holy Land was a pretty lucrative business. And I was just going to say, there's, there's good money in running protection in the middle of a war. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was this power struggle where they, they, they became, um, the, the church saw them as too powerful. And um, there was a, yeah, it's an interesting history of the Knights Templar. I wouldn't use this book to research it though. Go off and find <laughs> your own. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, as with everything in this book, great story. Shame about the history. Yeah, the, but the, the the sort of point of this this thing at the end is that the um, uh, the, the the sand grail, um, this thing that they're, they're looking for, is in fact the Holy Grail. Um, <gasps> so you know, and again, we got the Indiana Jones callback there. He was after that for a while. Um, yeah, I'm, th- I'm on board with this. I can actually hear yeah. in my head right now the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade theme music. Like, <laughs> I just, if I if I drift off into a reverie at any point, Matt, that's that's what it is. I can hear that old guy going, "You chose wisely." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but did Langdon, chapter- Matt? Did Langdon choose wisely? <laughs> so, uh, ch- well, chapter thirty-eight. Um, Langdon reveals that the Holy Grail isn't actually a cup. Um, it's actually a cup in documents, but it's not even a cup. So um, basically it's some documents and something else. And Robert knows what it is, but he's not going to tell us yet. Um, in the, in <laughs> you the meantime- amaze me. I look, this is a risky move on, Dom, on Dan Brown's part here, being like, okay, so it's a really big deal. It is actually a really unbelievably massive, huge deal, but it's not a cup. I'm going to tell you what it is, but I'm only going to tell you the really boring part of it, which is essentially paperwork. What it is is paperwork. It's, oh, hold me back. Indiana Jones and the Lost Filing Cabinet. Like. <laughs> yeah. So the um, in the meantime, the taxi driver's getting on the radio. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's, he's dobbing him in. He's just taking a massive load of cash from him. So... <laughs> What does he think is going to happen? What's the best case scenario here? Surely best case scenario is the police take the money off him that he's just been given. But yeah. anyway, he's dominating. Yeah, no, you can imagine it, can't you? Well, well done for your patriotic service to France, uh, Monsieur Le Taxi Driver. This is very well done there. That's fantastic. Uh, they didn't give you anything, did they? And he just sort of shuffles away, turns, turns away slightly so they can't <laughs> see the back pocket of his jeans bulging with 500 euro notes. No, 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 nothing. They didn't do anything. I just... Yeah. These, these jeans are extraordinarily poorly fitted, is all it is. <laughs> so, so Sophie pulls a gun on this t- poor taxi driver, makes him get out. She's For some reason, make... around this girl, is she? <laughs> I love this. She's like, yeah. according to some script in her brain, she's just, she's setting her entire life on fire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she, she makes him get out and then she makes, she makes Robert drive the car. It's almost like he's a, he's a hostage. <laughs> she's like, drive. <laughs> 
But, um, <laughs> and he doesn't know how to use an automatic, so that doesn't go particularly well. What? But, um, how does he not know? Do you know oh, what? Sorry, Matt? sorry, sorry, the other way around. He doesn't know how to use oh, a manual because he uses I was going to say that. I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever had occasion to try and hire a car in North America and ask for a stick shift, but they look at you as though you're asking for the instructions to be written in Sanskrit backwards. Yeah, they're yeah. like, why? Why would you? What? Why? Yeah. Why? Why? What are you, some sort of terrorist? Like, yeah. it's really suspicious yeah. thing to do now. I suppose. I suppose it's, it's kind of like asking to hire a car with like manual windows rather than electric ones. <laughs> like, why? Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suppose. No, fair enough. Fair enough. That's good. Uh, yeah. So uh, they, they then we go back to Silas. Oh, Silas is sad. He's really. He's really. He's really down, Dave. It's little kill, kill, killing a nun in a church should do that to you. He's he's a bit fed up now. He wants and your heart bleeds for him, doesn't it, Matt? It just it falls out of your chest and flops around on the floor, bleeding yeah. for his poor he's, suffering. He's thinking about he's thinking about suicide, and what pulls him back from the edge is uh, a, a, an inspiring story that Aringa Rosa told him. He said, uh, "Silas, cheer up, mate. It's not that bad that you're an albino. Did you not know Noah was an albino as well?" <laughs> was it? <laughs> Really? <laughs> uh, okay. I, um, well, was he? Sure. Yeah. Um, is I don't, this, is I, this legit? I have no like, idea whether that's true. But I mean, that's really weird thing to say if it's not true. <laughs> mind, mind, mind you. Have you? Did you see the the Noah movie? The um, Darren <laughs> Aronofsky movie. As far yeah. as I know, he's not an albino. I know, but wouldn't you loved it? Because they they did some they did some fairly wacky <laughs> stuff with the text, and I really enjoyed it. And um, uh, and I'd love it if they'd have just gone one further and been like, <laughs> Russ, mate, here is a, a bucket of white paint. I've got your characterization <laughs> sorted, pal. Just whack that on. Here's a couple of uh, couple of uh, uh, <laughs> red uh, contact lenses. Um, yeah, don't worry about it, mate. It's all, it's all in the it's all in the text. It's all there. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness, I'd have gone to see that Russell Crowe <laughs> as an albino as Noah in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it would only work if it was a really, really terrible makeup job, right? Like if it wasn't in any sense real. If he'd literally just dumped a bucket of Tipex over his head and just gone for it. This is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whoa, the flood's coming. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we move on to uh, chapter forty, and a bit more discussion about the where's this where's the Sangrail? They think it's somewhere in the UK. Um, four people knew of its location, and um, Sophie assumes that from what she saw down in the basement that her granddad's one of them. Although there was thirty people there, so I don't know how she thinks that means he's one of the top four. But um, but I suppose because it was at his house. But anyway, well uh, yeah, and he was doing um, something in the middle. We yeah. don't know. Maybe there yeah. was some mystic ceremony involved in sucking his... Sorry, carry on. <laughs> she, she thinks about telling Robert, decides not to. <laughs> is sorry. that what it was? Is that what it was? That's... They're all standing in a circle chanting and he's just in the middle sucking his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, what I'm saying, Matt, is that you've seen nothing in the text so far to contradict such a hypothesis, have you? That, that would be something that... Were I were I to be Sophie in that situation, I would leave and never come back. So <laughs> yeah, maybe, wait, maybe we, that is exactly. It. We need to explain this. She loved him, and walking in on him and thirty of his mates singing and doing something else, you know, was enough to make to push her away forever. I don't know. Maybe they were maybe they were practicing a version of the musical Hair, and she just <laughs> really really hates hippie music. I think, but it's fucking something, wasn't it? 
Yeah. Um, so, Robert I hate Olsen. amateur dramatics. I just hate them, Grandpa. <laughs> Fuck you. I hate them. <laughs> uh, Robert also links um, this uh, Priory of Scion as sort of a, a one of the... He basically, he basically says this is sort of what's come out of the Knights Templar, and he links it all together with the Templar Cross, which I love this again. He accepts is sort of... Um, does have those edges which are which are different you know they sort of yeah. what is it called where they they sort of it's not taper it's the opposite where they go apart at the end flare anyway flare that's yeah i've even written it down I just couldn't read it um, <laughs> yeah, so, so so it does have he, he says yeah um you know except that even though the templar cross does flare at the ends so it so it's not the same it's kind of the same because it's still sort of an equal length cross um, so okay, uh, yeah, um, yeah, bit of a stretch. But no, no, all right, cool, 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 cool. But cool. yeah, so so there you go. I mean, you, I think you could give him that. So chapter forty-one. Um, oh, so so then they realise that just just at the end of chapter forty, they pull up at this address, and it's the address of a, it's a Swiss bank. So uh, this is the number for a Swiss de- bank deposit box. So we're getting closer. Nice. Um, I quite like that idea that somebody at the start of the 20th century, having hidden this thing for for many many centuries, was like kind of. Oh, I think you could you you can't do fairer than trust the Swiss, can you? Go on, we'll go on. We'll we'll lock it up and we'll create a paper trail for this holy secret. Is what we'll do. We've kept it for yeah. this many centuries. Now it's time to go legit, yeah. like the Godfather, but with you know an extra layer of trail uh, <laughs> mythology on top. of it. Yeah, speaking of Godfather sort of feelings, um, we're on chapter 41. Ringo Rosa turns up at the present day for his meeting um, with the Vatican and is presented with an enormous wad of cash. It's, it's bonds, <laughs> it's sort of Vatican bonds rather than cash. And he sort of basically gets this in a suitcase and says, right, I'm off to Paris with loads of money. Um, I assume he's going to do something, you know, vaguely serious with it, and he's not just going to blow it all. But I'd love it if that's what he just decided. Wouldn't it to be do. great? If the end of this chapter was like kind of a ring of Rosa arrived at the airport. He walked up to the desk. He looked right. He looked left. Nobody. He carefully removed his Beretta and moved over. Moved. Leaned over the desk. Is it possible to get a ticket to Vegas? <laughs> 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 just yeah. smash cut to him standing in the middle of the floor at Caesar's palace just spraying these documents everywhere just like yeah <laughs> finally off the leash um, yeah so Ringo Ross is off to Paris with loads of money to do something we don't know what chapter 42 um, which is the last chapter for today uh, we get to the safety deposit box and it turns out it's a bit of a dead end because you need two things. You've got the key, but you need an account number too, and they don't have it. Uh, so they're trying to work, and as they're trying to work out what what to do, the Swiss what? dob them in. <laughs> so, so the, the, the I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I can't, I can't get my head around this because the whole point of the Swiss thing and the whole reason the business model works is that they don't do this, and as soon as it gets out that they do dob people in, then there's, there's no point in them. <laughs> Having like, a business model, yeah. The whole the whole business model is: we protected the Nazis, we will protect you, right? That's the deal. And, then, and but because but because at this point we need an action beat, they are they are on the phone the first time it says password not recognised, please retry, and they're like, fuck no, <laughs> quick call yeah. the police. 
Yeah, and then uh, Fash the Bash gets the call, and he, yeah! he can't believe his look. And he's like, Jenna's Where's Bank? You can hear the music again, the comedy music, because he's <laughs> chasing after him. Yeah, it's him and 25 of his inferiors all run out and try and get inside a single cop car. Right, That's that's the image that we've got here. <laughs> yeah, and then the car won't start. There's got to be that. <laughs> Damn it, guys! Come on, we've got to carry the car. We've got to take the car with us, but we will carry it. Why, monsieur? Don't ask me why. We're just going. Okay, all right. One, two, three, hop. Let's go. Rue Haxo, come on, guys. Oh, dear. And that brings to an end part two of our read-through of Dan Brett, of our, of our solemn and respectful read-through of The Da Vinci Code. Oh, dear. Um, dear I hope you're enjoying dear. it. Um, I hope you, you don't mind that we, we're taking a bit more of a, I don't know, I think we're reading overst- it with a smile. Put it that way. <laughs> I think you're overstating that, Matt. I, 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 I am actually on one level, of course, as a history book, this is appalling. But as a thriller, it's great, and I actually oh, get yeah. more appreciation out of it for the fact that it's got these really, really, completely like crazy, insane plot devices. Because I mean, I wouldn't want to write a novel where I had to come up with an incredibly you know, a massive plot twist once every seven pages or yeah. 85 words or whatever it is. You know, I wouldn't want to do that at all. So fair play to him. Yeah. He needs, to, he needs yeah. to go and read some history, but he can write a thriller. No, I, I've got to say, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it. So just because you're laughing on the roller coaster doesn't mean you're not enjoying it, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, well, I mean, I'll admit that I'm being a bit English about it. And I, you know, there's a good, there's a good flavour of mockery in what I'm doing here. But like, <laughs> but fundamentally, like we've done books before, which have been a far harder slog than this. Yeah. This is preposterous, but it's yeah. funny. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Lovely. Well, um, we're going to read to. Uh, I've got my. I've got my. I've got my numbers here. Don't worry. I got your back. <laughs> we're going to read as far as. So we're reading from. Obviously, where we've got up to, which is chapter forty-three, page two four four. And we shall read as far as chapter seventy-nine, which is page four two eight. What a sprint, Matt. What a sprint. It's quite a long, it's quite a long like, section. Like Fash the Bash and his 25 mates carrying their car on their shoulders because they don't <laughs> understand practicalities. <laughs> so, yeah, get ready for a bit of a bumper a bumper podcast next week. Um, but that is, that, that is the plan. If you're reading along with us, that's where we're going to for next week, I promise. And if you want to send your reviews in uh, for the end of the run, that's uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> also uh, on... <laughs> On Twitter at Shark Liver Oil. Oh, and the website's live now, Matt. We should do that as well. Yeah, and also, the, and also, the, yeah, also the website. That's a SharkLiverOil.co. That's SharkLiverOil.co. The great thing about the website is you can you can access specific books really easily. There's just a list of them all, and you can have a browse through. And if there's a book that you particularly like, then you can listen to our podcast on it rather than having to scroll all the way back through the feed um, on your iTunes provider or on your podcast provider. <laughs> uh, so yeah. <laughs> It may be iTunes, other podcast providers are available. They are. <laughs> okay, Dave, until next time. Until next time, Matt.